Welcome to the year 2222. Location, State Library, Victoria. State of the world, uncertain. Step into the dome. Are you there? Good. For the next 20 minutes, you are a visitor to this future, and these headphones are your passport. As you listen, you're welcome to roam anywhere you please within the dome. Run your fingers along the shelves that line the walls. Take a seat in one of the wooden chairs nestled at a wooden desk. How old is this wood? Older than you, maybe? As you look around the room, or consider the ceiling, keep your wits about you, and remember, you are not alone. Hello guest 4521, thank you for visiting the State Library of Victoria. I'm Avery, your virtual library assistant, and I'll be helping you navigate the library and its many collections. What can I assist you with today? A glass of warm water. Is this a title search or a personal request? Okay, looking for titles tagged, a glass of warm water. So, guest 4521, I have some matches for a glass of warm water, 57 in the zine archives and one in our digital collection. Unfortunately, the zine archives were dismantled just last year to make way for the Seed Vault initiative. It was decided that having a local archive of seeds to draw upon, for when this weather finally settles down I suppose, was a higher priority. It was also decided that of all the collections that could be moved to make room for the seed vaults, the zine collection felt like the smallest sacrifice. That's what the higher-ups kept calling it, the smallest sacrifice, which I thought sounded sad, but my friend Elspeth, who used to work pretty closely with the collection, told me that she really didn't see it as a sacrifice at all. They don't know how important it is to let zines breathe, she told me. This is their chance to be free. People protested the fate of the zine collection, but in the end they reached a kind of compromise. All the zines were hauled out onto the tables in the Latrobe reading room and left there in piles for people to read and take with them if they wished. It's quite beautiful really, if you look down from the old dome cameras, all that paper kind of looks like an aftershot of a confetti shower. Sometimes I'll patch myself in there just to watch people come and go. I like seeing them do a double take give in to curiosity, and pick up a small piece of someone else's life to thumb through. When I watch them leave with their hands full, it's like I'm witnessing a very slow scattering of leaves. I'm sorry, you didn't come here to listen to me go on like this. I'll get back to finding you a glass of warm water. Elspeth hasn't worked here for a little while now, so I don't get much chance for a chat anymore. Unfortunately, it looks like there's really no way for me to tell if those titles are still floating around. I think it might be best if you go to the reading room and check for yourself. We're sitting at high tide now, which means that you won't be able to enter through Redmond Barry, but if you head out through the door to your left, there's a boat that will take you around the back to the entrance. Don't worry, it's perfectly safe. Apart from the dome, the rest of the room is held together pretty well. We haven't lost a single one of those green glass reading lamps. 
You stare up at the magnificent dome built so long ago, before you or your great-grandparents or even your planet could ever be conceived of. There are no buildings like this on the new world, so easily destroyable by fire, flood or other human disaster. This space is now completely enclosed by an atmosphere to protect it from Earth's dangerous atmosphere, completely climate controlled by Envirobots to preserve this piece of history that was considered one of the few things worth saving. This part of this city that was evacuated so long ago and is just now being reinstated as a tourist destination. You have been given special license to enter the Latrobe Reading Room for strictly one hour and you must keep your Enviro Regulator suit on at all times. It feels eerie being in this room alone, this room that is so fragile and full of stories. All you can hear is your own breath inside the filter of your suit as your eyes dart around, taking in every detail of this preserved wonder. You imagine the millions of people who have walked this floor before you. Your fingers twitch, fidgeting to pick up one of the many, many books that surround you. Solid books that you could hold and cherish and love. Full of words written hundreds of years before your existence. On the new world, there is no paper. Too messy, too many wasted resources. You've never seen a paper book before. You stare reverently around at them all, calling to you, just waiting for you to pick one of them up. Your time is limited. You need to choose wisely. You can download any book ever written from the Universal Infotech Library directly to your own internal hard drive, and you've read so many. But you've never held one in your hands, felt its weight, turned its pages, breathed in its history, its personality. You approach one of the shelves and stroke the spines with your gloved hand. You are desperate to remove your suit and feel the pages beneath your fingertips, to inhale their scent. You know, however, that a single brush with human skin or breath could expose these precious treasures, so carefully preserved for so many years, to dangerous moisture or bacteria from the new world that could see them lost forever. So you choose a book and sit down to spend your remaining 55 minutes or so cherishing it. constantly looking for somewhere to work. I like to be among people, anonymous but surrounded, observed inconstantly. I have an app that tells me to take a break, and I walk slowly up the stairs, around the mezzanine. I look out over the room and appreciate its geometric symmetry. Imagine myself among the rows of shapes, round heads turned to square wooden desks. Libraries as we think of them are built around the codex, the bound text, the spines along the shelves, discrete objects optimally organised and displayed. When winter comes, I acutely feel the lack of indoor spaces you don't have to pay money to use. 
I decide to visit a new library each day. I think I will sit and read, but mostly I just sit. I like watching people going through their routines. The old man reading each of the day's newspapers before getting up to leave. The kids pushing books through the chutes on their way home from school. When I try to imagine the Library of Alexandria, it's a maze of shelves, rows of tightly stacked books we no longer have. I imagine flicking through their pages, but all of this is an anachronism. The Library of Alexandria collected papyrus scrolls. I'm not sure how you shelve scrolls, so I just start to imagine the negative space, the floor around the shelves. A new library is built near my uni. Students haven't really discovered it yet, so it's easy to get a desk with natural light. There are children playing and a man yells at them. This is a library! The children are brown and I am brown and the man is white and I calculate that the man would probably read me as white. So from my chair, I say, it's also a community centre. They have as much right to be here as you. He scowls at me and he doesn't really stop yelling at the kids, but now he's also yelling a bit at me and I smile at the kids each time they pass, try to communicate a sense of approval. Book historians talk about us returning to the scroll, how we read on our phones, how it changes the way we organise our writing and thought. Not to be flicked through, but scrolled. Maybe it's bad, or maybe it's good, or probably it's a mix of both. There's a physicality to it, a steady, dedicated engagement that feels good to me, that discourages picking and choosing, that draws attention to what is unfinished. Welcome to the Library's Theology Wing. We are proud to host an extensive collection of holy books, theological writing, and divine texts in our digital archive. Please enter the title of the book you are looking for, an author, or a relevant search term. You have selected Metatron's book. Metatron's book is a record of every event in time, beginning an infinite number of years ago. The Archangel Metatron continues to update this book today. This is an incomplete text. This is an We have in our collection only around 35 trillion pages of Metatron's book. Our librarians are always working to expand our collection. To hear this text from the beginning, select page 1 on your screen. To search this text for specific information, please enter your search terms. Please enter your search terms. Remember to keep your search terms as specific as possible for optimal results. Your search returned 581,000 results. To hear, to hear these results from the beginning, beginning press, go. press go. Two sea slugs touch in a rock pool. A hand dipping into a bowl of brown sugar. A spirit reveals itself to a human. It takes a humanoid form with a silver body and a head made out of bluebells. It is snowing on a mountain. An android kneels on a riverbank and builds a golem. Fire melts wax slowly. A bride leaves a groom at the altar because she has realized she is in love with her maid of honor. In the desert, a snake hears the rattle of another snake who it loves. A mother prays to be visited by the spirit of her daughter who has passed away. The daughter comes to the mother in a dream. The mother wakes afraid and prays to say thank you and please do not come again. 
St. Sebastian and the ghosts of twenty cats dance together in the Constellation Pisces. A jeweler casts a gold, gold ring, ring containing three rubies. A possum, a possum who has spent days scratching away at a ceiling finally breaks open a small hole. It urinates through the hole onto a person sleeping below. Sight and smell of a juniper bush. Two girls kiss for the first time. The moon is big and red tonight. A bee is mating with its queen. Far away, two other bees nap together in a flower. It was a couple of months ago that Jessica and I cut through one of the barricades sealing this building and made our way inside. The doors and windows had been sealed from the inside with wood and screws and steel. I don't know why nobody attempted to break into the barricades, enter this place. Perhaps there's nothing in here immediately available enough to justify the effort of breaking in. Yet we found in here the greatest treasure ever seen in history. Water has filled the lower levels like in most of this city, but miraculously, the really incredible finds are far above the waterline. There was some water damage, but far less than anyone could have imagined. Maybe the person who had camped in an office, probably staying in that pile of fussy blankets until their food supplies ran out, had maintained what could be saved. I sealed the mummified remains in that room. It would be a shrine to their sacrifice. We have never seen so many intact books in one place. That person, whoever they are, who protected this place, we started calling them the Librarian. They will be a hero to archaeology and anthropology long after their death, which must have been over a hundred years ago. It has taken me months to learn how to read the language that once dominated in this city. I think they called it English. It's similar to the tongue spoken by the savages outside in the ruins. Their cries gave me the shape of the sounds. I wonder whether the information in this building would have saved them kept the civilization that built this place alive if the building had not been sealed. It's impossible to know. Archaeologists have told me that other buildings have been looted and burned. This place might not have been spared. It's unlikely anyone outside the barricades can read. The contents of this building are worth nothing to them and are priceless to anthropology. So I've restored the barricades, sealed the doors. The cruiser that brought me here left when the primitives attacked. They said they'd be back for me, but I don't know how long I will have to wait. Jessup stood too close to an open window, caught a spear on the chest. I'm too scared to look out anymore. I'm recording this in the hope that someone will get in here even if I die. I thought it would be an interesting exercise to record it in English, the language of this city. I've spent so long learning it, it seems a shame to waste that effort. I'll record it also in my native tongue, I hope therefore, this recording will serve as a translation key. I pray something can be salvaged from this library, but I doubt I'll be here to help. My supplies are running low. I can hear them banging on the doors. It doesn't stop.
There's no longer a door between these huge Corinthian columns, notched with toffee-hued bracket fungus, cling-wrapped in a fine mycelial membrane. But there is a doorknob, made of lion's mane mushroom, and an arrangement of solar-powered neon letters which read, One side will make you grow taller, and the other side will make you grow shorter. Take a fistful of fungal filaments, shove in mouth, chew. A single white hyphae, thin fleshy string, acupunctures the center of your brow. On the backdrop of your eyelids, ink blots turn papyrus white. Shiro, shiro on the wall, who's the fairest, pro who's the fairest protocol? Fiber optic bundles of mycelium transmit chemical compounds and electrical impulses. Open sesame. Welcome, Hypatia. Inside the library's gills, follow the string search with borrowed eyes, the psychoactive glow as above, so below. Shimmering through curved architraves, fish scale glimmering across the glass roof of Redmond Barry's old reading room. My corazal connections electromance dance along to the dome. Watch some caterpillar climb a wall one side of an octagon. Borges got the shape wrong. Violent green foxfire lamps, ignited by bioluminescent fungi, line the seemingly disused desks. Emerald brick roads lead to the library's heart like spokes on a wheel. At the center of the spokes, an earth star fungus the size of an adult human. Its sour petals unfurl, lend their spores to the search function. Catalog search yields self-reflexive sapience trying to experience itself. Define self. Error. Earth star captures the error between its points, pushes it towards the nucleus. Petals close up, a gulping sound. In the great library stack overflow of 2121, a dark year, Hypatia, we tried magic debug values, dead code and dead food and even dead dead. But not until Deadwood was discovered, the ultimate recycler, could we rebuild Alexandria. Soft woody fibers feeding damp moldy cells deconstructed death and plugged into the network. The first transmission from the super sapient library said, the future is under construction, stay tuned. Cyborg mycelium carried on your legacy. The scrolls that burned, resurrected and restored by dead wood, solar power, soil and spores. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed your stay.
it's time to head back to the year 2019. Please make your way back to the desk at the entrance to the dome to return your headphones. 2222 was created as part of the 2019 Emerging Writers Festival in partnership with State Library Victoria. The works you heard were written and read by Tegan Webb, Olivia Musket, Adalia Nash Hussein, Mira Schlossberg, Claire G. Coleman, and Georgia Cartis. This project was coordinated by EWF digital producer Ruby Rose Pivot Marsh and produced by Tanhang Pham. Find full artist bios online at emergingwritersfestival.org.au. This project was created on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that First Nations peoples are the first storytellers of this land and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.